he'd done was wrong. Staying in the wilderness too long. Keep your eyes on the prize. Hold on. The only thing we done was right was the day we started to fight. Keep your eyes on the prize. You are listening to Farm and Fiddle, the podcast that celebrates and explores rural life for today and tomorrow. Every week since June 1999, we have brought you the best voices in sustainable agriculture to the radio airwaves on Mid-Missouri's KOPN 89.5 FM. This is Rhett Hartman. I'm Margo McMillan. In this edition of Farm and Fiddle's podcast... Rhett talks to Susan Williams and Tina Potts of Cooper County, Missouri. Their group opposes the CAFO and supports local control. They have a case that will go to the Missouri Court of Appeals in early 2020. Susan Williams and Tina Potts, please say hi and tell us a little bit about the opponents of Cooper County CAFO. Well, hi, I'm Susan Williams, and Tina and I are here tonight to represent the opponents of Cooper County CAFOs. Our immediate mission of our group is to protect and maintain our resources of water and air quality. This mission has been expanded to include educating and informing the public about CAFOs and the dangers they present to communities. My name is Tina Pott. Glad to be here. There is a quiet movement happening little by little that is a threat to all of us. It is the industrialization of farming, factory farms, mass production of animals. It has lots of names. It is not a family farm, as it would like for you to believe. It is a huge corporate animal production on mass scale. Maybe we ought to stop and talk about what a CAFO is. Mm. And this operation will raise 180,000 little piglets each year. Wow. And then what happens to the piglets? And then they're shipped, uh, they'll be shipped back to Iowa where they're finished, where they're, they're raised to for make, meat. To, to, so they when they're like, full size and then, right. So they would stay at this location till they're 10 or 20 pounds. And then they're weaned, mm-hmm. taken away from the mothers and shipped off to now, Iowa. Now here's just a strange question. Cause I always think about like you go through the drive through and you get bacon, egg and cheese biscuit or something. It's like, what are the chances that that bacon came from a CAFO or came from, you know, a, a farm that had... Probably 100%. Okay. <laughs> wow. So that's, this is the, the, the pipeline of food, food production for, for good old cheap uh, food that you can get. Mass production. Yeah, mass production. As many as you can. So yeah. this, this CAFO in Cooper County uh, is a, is, is a, is is where you all have focused your efforts. Right. And this particular one is um, going to be owned by Pipestone, the uh, Pipestone conglomerate. Mm-hmm. And Pipestone is the third largest pork producer in the United States. And they have 
hundreds of thousands of sows, but they're vertically integrated, which means they own the breeding stock, the sows, they raise the baby pigs, they finish them out. And recently they have uh, purchased a Hormel plant in, I think it's northern Mm -hmm. Nebraska, where they're going to then process the the pork to, to gain that part of the financial market yeah uh, they won't just be selling them to someone else they they all also then be butchering those and selling them as a finished product yeah and that that vertical integration sounds very efficient it is but it sure takes the family farmer out of the picture yeah which we'll be coming back to like why you know why does it really matter what what's the difference between you know bacon from there and bacon from a small farm one Maybe the, you'd like for us to describe what yes. the one that is proposed in our area would look like. Yeah, what? go ahead. Well, it's going to be about three huge buildings, some the size of football fields, with waste collection pits beneath them that are 10 feet deep. It will use about 22,000 gallons of water per day. It will produce about 8 million gallons of sludge and waste per year. And this waste consists not just of water and manure. It is untreated waste that contains antibiotics, hormones, phosphates, ammonias, and other toxins. This waste must be put somewhere. It will be spread on about a thousand acres of neighboring land right up next to people's homes. There are 73 children and adults less than a mile from this proposed CAFO. There are also 22 wells within a mile and a quarter. There's no public water in this area, so everyone relies on a private well. And the groundwater contamination is a real concern. Another unsettling fact is that this is an export-only facility that is located on a small amount of acreage. What export only means is that once all the millions of gallons of waste is pumped out of the pits and spread on the land, this huge corporation is totally free from any responsibility or liability for any pollution that it causes. Now, I I got to ask about that. What is the alternative if it was an export only? What is the regulations for all the other farms if it is not export only then who owns it is responsible for that waste and must follow all of the guidelines set forth by department of natural resources Uh. for example if a farmer owned the barn himself going to spread the waste on his own property he has to follow certain setbacks from water features you can't spread the water the the waste closer than 300 feet to someone's well not closer than 300 feet to a spring have to be 50 feet away from public roads but and that makes sense because you know that has a lot of concentrated possible pollutants and chemicals and the reason dnr has those guidelines is it's to protect the surface and groundwater to protect the waters of the state okay but that's only in effect if it's a permitted CAFO where you've had to apply to dnr for a permit and if it's owned by an individual who then is going to put the manure on his own land so like you have a bunch of animals and then you also have a bunch of crops and so you take the manure from your animals and put them on your crops but this export only verbiage is describing a different situation. 
Right. It's just hard to believe that family farmer that owns his operation has to follow this whole set of guidelines, but yet an export-only corporation does not. Right. And what they're doing there, in this situation, they bought 25 acres of land. They're going to have these two buildings the size of football fields and one that's a little smaller. They're going to produce this about 8 million gallons of waste on 25 acres, mm-hmm. raise 180,000 baby pigs, and they're going to give all that manure away to somebody in the surrounding area. And when they do that, there's no regulation so for those, how it's spread. Those people that receive it don't have to follow no. any of those regulations. No. Um. We thought for sure when this all started that DNR would say those folks had to follow the regulations. And DNR said no. They don't. Yeah. Now, this this gets back to something else I was wondering about, the whole process of getting a permit. Like if I want to start my own CAFO, what do I have to do? Just fill out the paperwork, submit yeah. it. Who, to who? Depart- DNR. To Department DNR. of Natural Resources. The, the application's online. Okay. And you just fill fill it out. It has a place for your name and how many hogs you're going to raise. And you have to tell them how much manure you're going to produce. Mm-hmm. And... It's just about a three-page form. You have to send an aerial picture of the area, and you have to notify anyone whose property would fall within 1,500 feet of the facility. Right, right. And when you're in a rural area, that might not be very many people. No, but at least Uh, it's there. Used yeah, to not, at least not be a thing. Right. A few years ago, years they ago. didn't have to notify you, and that that would be worse. Yeah. That would be worse. <laughs> but um, that that was only put in there through the hard work of people like Missouri Rural Crisis right. Center and the communities right. around there. But then when it gets to DNR, there's a one-page checklist that they go through to see is there a name on the paper on the application? Did they pay the hundred and fifty dollar fee? Mm-hmm. Does it give a description of the project and if they can complete that checklist it doesn't have anything to do with the site Mm -hmm. they don't do an environmental impact study to determine if there are sensitive features in the area where they're going to place these there's no requirement for any study of geological features under the ground there's no provision for any type of architectural plan to be submitted there's no missouri Mm -hmm. Building permit required, not, nothing. All, all that's required, is required as far as the building is that architect signs off, that's registered in Missouri, signs off and says the plan is adequate. So adequate for what? Well, <laughs> meets the guidelines, but so, we don't know what those are. So if it says uh, 5,000 animals producing 10,000 gallons of waste, the lagoon will hold 10,000 gallons, this architect. Uh, Missouri really, yeah, the architect would do that, but they don't have to tell the state of Missouri what those plans are. A certified architect just has to say their plans meet architectural guidelines. Missouri used to have a general guideline that said the mm. concrete on the pits have to be a certain width, or you know, right. width and you have to have certain amounts of reinforcing material. I mean, I'm not sure what all those guidelines were, wow. but they removed those permits a few years ago, requiring that you had to have the building permit, requiring that you had to show your architectural plans mm. to the state to be reviewed by... Missouri engineers. I see. 
regulations and protections have just been removed to just open the door for industrial agriculture to move in. Well, And yeah. we're talking about huge CAFOs. Now, some of the numbers mm-hmm. are small enough that those CAFOs would not even have to have a permit. Really? 5,000 animals? Well, it's animal units. Animal units. Oh, units. Oh. A thousand animal units has to have a permit, and that would be an animal unit would be, be like one cow. Right. Well, okay. it takes two and a half hogs to make an animal unit yeah. and some huge number of chickens to make an animal yeah. unit. So a CAFO of chickens... You'd have hundreds of thousands of chickens in before one you spot had to have a permit. before you had to have a permit. And wow. there are many smaller CAFOs in the that, uh, that state of Missouri not, that aren't permitted. Right. You know, they right. would maybe have a thousand hogs. That's just small, 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 small beans. The export oh, yeah. only is is all perfectly legal. The Department of National Resources is only concerned with the permitting process and only concerned with the adequate paperwork. There are no DNR regulations that can protect citizens adequately. The process is very simple and set up to approve any permit of any CAFO that applies for it. And that's where we believe the system is broken because export only allows the spreading of waste right up to property lines, no setback distances. Um, no allocation for sensitive features, no requirement for ge- geological makeup. Missouri simply allows a corporation to build an animal factory on very small acreage and produce vast quantities of waste, give the waste away, and in doing so also gives away all liability and responsibility for the pollution. That corporation is not held accountable. There is no state or federal protection. You know, I've been listening about plastics and how some of the uh, citizens that are having to deal with the plastic that corporations create are now trying to put the responsibility on the corporations that created the plastic. That is, it's not as easily to recycle. Therefore, instead of the burden coming on the communities, that the burden should start with the manufacturers. And that's a novel concept that for decades, the plastic companies have had a pretty good business, but they never had to burden themselves with where does the plastic end up and it's similar to this it's saying we're not liable for the waste of the manure if we sell it that's just not our our deal and the state is not regulating the use of that manure because maybe it's maybe for whatever reason it falls into the category of like well it's just a farm that's using manure what what's the worst that could happen and i think it's easier to put your finger on a plastic company and not so easy to put your finger on an ag-related business because Missouri is so ag-minded and And farming is a backbone of Missouri and so but Missouri in the past had uh, good water standards and Mm -hmm. you know there were regulations that would protect our environment states that first started with the animal agriculture in uh, with a vengeance would be Iowa and North Carolina and they just really removed all regulations that would impede the growth of animal agriculture and that started oh back in the 1980s I think in Iowa where that really started taking off mm-hmm. and they don't there it, it's just been a problem there's air quality issues they have air quality alerts in Iowa often I think North Carolina they're not even building any more facilities cuz they've just they've 
it's it's been too much. They can't build facilities that have lagoons. Oh, yeah. They can build pit facilities, I believe, wow. that have underground pits like the ones that it, the one that is proposed oh, yeah. in Lagoon our area. Is the open air. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It would be like a big pond, but it has to be covered if they build them now. Yeah. But there's certain kinds that they have prohibited there. But there's a lot of issues with water quality when you put too much of the manure on the land. Uh, leach down into the soil, get into your groundwater, run off mm-hmm. the dead zone in around New Orleans oh, in the yeah. Gulf of Mexico. A huge portion of that is attributed to runoff from the Iowa agriculture and CAFOs primarily. We haven't mentioned the dead animals. There are about 700 pounds of dead animals every day, and those will be put in a Open sided well, like barn. a shed, a shed, a shed. A three sided shed with a roof, right? Open on one where side where they will decompose. They will layer it with chips mm-hmm. or sawdust, and it will decompose. But they're saying it would be 186 tons of dead animals, and now, and then that would be spread on the neighboring thousand acres also. Oh, in addition to the for, wet waste. For uh, nutrients and in, back into the soil. Mm-hmm. And I wonder about, you mentioned the runoff of the manure issues could be pollutants and things like that. I guess, does the composting process help protect the resulting compost and, and make it not so... Uh, Some of those problem? items will not disappear. It might kill yeah. some of the pathogens because of the heat in a composting pit. It has to get to a certain temperature. But you still have those dead animals spread there. The antibiotics, will will those break down? There's question about mm, that. Right, right. Um, a lot of the antibiotics that uh, you give animals, just the body uses it, but it just it goes straight through and it, it, it's, yeah. it's given off in their urine and their feces. Mm-hmm. And so when that goes out, it's going to be spread on the land. So as that leaches down into our soil, to our groundwater, the antibiotics and hormones often are what pollute in addition to the nitrogen and phosphates. Through our fight with trying to protect our community, we employed a couple of experts to help us look at look at our concerns. One person looked at the groundwater and the po- mm-hmm. with the karst topography we had, he really feels pretty sure that groundwater will be contaminated. The pits may crack due to the type of soil we have, and it's our soil's sh- uh, fairly shallow. We have shallow wells, uh, many 200, 240 feet deep. Water about 20 feet from the top of the ground. Right. And there's springs in the area so that that surface, you know, the groundwater is just coming right to the surface. So th- those are just all all concerns that we have. Well, you know, uh, I saw you you had some uh, sort of reports and summaries of uh, some expert folks. Let's talk more about that. Susan Williams and Tina Potts from Cooper County. They're part of the group Opponents of Cooper County CAFO. Um, We talked a lot about uh, how the CAFO permitting process happens, about how the farrowing and finishing operation is vertically integrated and... uh, how it's it's no longer really a small farm anymore it's more of just a a business making opportunity and that this export only concept means that they have no liability with that uh maybe we can delve a little deeper and tell us more about um all the stuff you've been researching 
All right. Um, I'll give you a, a brief summary, kind of a timeline of what we have done. And as we said, um, our community has been fighting this CAFO, actively fighting for about a year. This Pipestone company has over 50 limited liability corporations listed at the same address in Pipestone, Minnesota. And that's the company that's trying to get the the CAFO in Cooper County. Yes, the Tipton East CAFO owned by PVC Management LLC, Pipestone, Minnesota. Yes, we've researched that company, Pipestone, and we do not like what we have found. Last uh, January of 2018, uh, one of our members visited one of the Missouri Clean Air Commission meetings, and one of the experts that was there testifying was a Dr. Robert Lawrence, MD. He's a professor emeritus from environmental health and engineering with John Hopkins uh, Bloomberg School of Public Health, and he was there testifying against concerning all of the problems with CAFOs and um, what they uh, give off as far as emissions. And kind of his summary was that uh, the public health threat of CAFOs reflects the multiple exposure routes through air, water, and soil of harmful gases, pollutants such as hydrogen sulfide, nitrates, pathogenic microorganisms. Gases, odors, and nutrients are problematic, but are not the only health concern. Antibiotic-resistant bacteria are the major public health threat. These real and urgent public health issues associated with CAFOs warrant strengthening rather than lowering the standards in regards to air and water quality. To date, no swine-producing state has been able to control adequately the manure waste and airborne emissions from swine CAFOs such that potential environmental health problems or public health problems among neighboring landowners can be eliminated. And he went on to say, given the current situation and the efforts by large producers to introduce CAFOs to new areas of the United States, now is not the time to be reducing the regulatory attention that CAFOs receive. The documented health, harmful health effects of CAFOs motivated the American Public Health Association in 2003 to adopt a resolution calling for a moratorium on building these new CAFOs until additional data could be gathered and policies implemented to protect public health. And that's why, as, as we go through our timeline coming up, that we've become so concerned because medical professionals, the CDC, uh, all are very concerned about these emissions and how they impact communities. Yeah, and you know this. If the defense is like, well, you know, you're going to do business. We we can't be regulated to death because you know we're trying. Jobs are being created. We're creating a product that people need, and you know there's going to be some effect on the environment. So it's you know why does this have to be such a big deal when it's a good product and people are getting jobs and it's helping communities in that way. But the flip side, I guess, is, you know, like the tailpipe on your car, there is regulations on how dirty it can be. And there was the scandal with the diesel emissions that happened a while ago where the, they got them to test clean, but they ran dirty and they did some calculation on, you know, during this scandal, how many people, you know, got sick and died prematurely just because there was a million cars out there with with extra dirty 
pollutants coming out. And, you know, it's it's sad to say that people's lives got shortened because of that. But it's, Well, once your groundwater is polluted, yeah. it's too late. Yeah. Yeah. And th- so those things are like, yes, there's a business side to it, but it's normal to protect the health of people. And when you've got uh, groups like that describing that it is not inconsequential, um, it makes you f- be afraid of these things, I think. So, so yeah, your timeline uh, starts off with the description of these, uh, this place and the experts. Right, and as we went on through this, we just found more and more research wow. on this. Um, let's see. After the public notice to a couple of residents within 1,500 feet of the proposed Tipton East facility, we began all these community meetings, meetings with the county commissioners, informative meetings. We did a lot of research. We met with the Cooper County Health Board. After the public hearing, the permit was issued by the Department of Natural Resources. Then the Clean Water Commission upheld the permit at their hearing. And now we are in a series of appeal processes. Oh, okay. Uh, we're investigating with our lawyer what components of our permit we will, what we will be appealing. Uh-huh. And we'll be moving that on to the appeals court in the Western District in the state of Missouri. Okay. So this has gone into the courts yeah. at this point. You know, it, it's a concern. Um, you know, there's several things that are wrong. Well, even just last year, Greitens uh, removed people from the Clean Water Commission. They yeah, voted that- against some CAFOs and uh, CAFOs being permitted. Three people were removed, or four people actually were removed, and four people who were Farm Bureau, Soybean Association, uh, just some real ties to industrial Mm -hmm. agriculture, were then seated on the board. They're friendly with CAFOs or with the industrial industrialization of animal agriculture, and they have upheld several permits in the past year. Uh, Uh, Trenton Farms hog operation that's in Callaway County. Yeah. I, I don't remember what the name of that uh, operation was. Yeah, I mean, Eichel. Eichel oh, Burger Farms. Eichel Burger Farms, yeah. yeah. So they upheld those permits. And the Clean Water Commission in the past had been seated with a certain... There had to be one person on there who was familiar with city sewage mm-hmm. treatment plants, a certain number of people who were just citizens at large, and no more than two people who were ties with agriculture or industry. Right. The Clean Water Commission's job is to regulate agriculture and industry, and it doesn't seem like you would seat the people on that commission who are ag the people that you're regulating you wouldn't think the majority of the people on that commission would be tied to an industry you said they they used to be limited in certain ways what happened i don't remember what year it was maybe 2012 or 13 there was a amendment put on an omnibus bill that allowed the change in how the uh, commission was seated Mm. And at this point, that is in was appealed this, I guess, actually last week in the appeals court in Springfield, discussing whether or not that was proper to have the as many uh, members oh. of agriculture and industry on that commission. Wow. So we'll see. And that, that will probably be part of our appeal as well. Mm-hmm. Another issue that we had from the very beginning, the head of the Ag Ready program, the executive director, uh, Ashley is, McCarty. What is the Ag Ready program? Oh, Ag Ready is 
is an organization made up of lots of industry, ag-related industry in the state of Missouri. It's yeah. Monsanto, it's Farm yeah. Bureau, it's MFA, it's Soybean Association, Pork Producers, Cattlemen's Association. And it's their role is to encourage counties not to put regulations in that are any greater than what the state regulations are in order to allow agriculture to go on. They don't want any impediment of agriculture. When we first went to our commission asking them to look at an ordinance or a regulation that could maybe help us and where this operation was being located, there was immediate contact between our commission and the Ag Ready, the executive director, Ashley McCarty, who Uh also happens to be the chairperson of the Clean Water Commission. Uh And from day one... which, Which commission were you working with? Our Cooper County commissioners. Oh yeah, because that would be our governmental body right. of our of yeah, our yeah. area where yeah, you yeah. could make rules and regulations or discuss whether or not you would local. want. Yeah. yeah, it'd be the local control that goes uh-huh. on there. The Clean Water Commission are supposed to be people who are impartial, who can make decisions based on merits of an application. It seems to me that there was would be a conflict of interest with Ashley McCarty. Mm-hmm. advocating from day one for this oh. operation and not putting regulations in that she we, we asked that she recuse herself from the vote and she did not do yeah. that at wow. the clean water commission and we didn't get a fair shake as far as that was concerned that wow. she couldn't look at the information and decide is this good or not wow wow uh, is it safe for the environment Golly. going right along with that idea is it seems that there is another trend toward removing local control. We received no help at all when we went to the Cooper County Commissioners, Booker, Bargary, and Melkersman, Cooper County Commissioners. They told us, do not come back. They opted to partner with AgReady and refused to even consider an ordinance that would protect its local citizens from the pollution to be caused by this huge CAFO. Passing an ordinance would go against their ag-ready mission. And this year, I think we're going to have to watch what's going on in our legislature. Each year, there have been bills uh, that have been brought up before the legislature to remove local control of county commissions and health departments to make regulations or decisions based on what's best for their area in the state of Missouri. Uh, This past year, they passed one regulation that said county commissions and health departments could not make regulations regulating seeds or manure. There's a lot of other things in that bill as well. But our, our health board took this serious as this whole process was going on they realized gosh you know there are health concerns here we need to see we just can't have CAFOs all over our county without some sort of protection for the water Mm -hmm. air but primarily water this was your health board this was the Cooper County Health Board they really researched things and uh, had experts come and uh, talk to them and ask questions of them they had the University of Missouri came um, School of Agriculture came the Extension Center came they had DNR come and visit they had Department of Health and Human Services come. They they? labored over other ordinances in other counties. They Mm -hmm. looked at them and researched their regulations and their ordinance to see what other counties had done. Are they acting independent of the commissioners? In our county, yes, they are. They're not under the county commission. They are a separate. They're separate. They get their own tax. Are they elected? 
Yes, they are okay, elected. Okay, interesting. They are elected. The original commission, uh, Cooper County Health Board, was appointed by the commissioners. Uh, and I don't know how long yeah. they've been in separate 10 or 12 years, wow. something like that. So they, they did their due diligence. and Right. And the commission was completely opposed to that. And they, wow. they, the health board has tried to talk to the commissioners about this regulation, and they won't even have a discussion with our health board about it. Interesting. So anyway, our health board did write a regulation that only addressed the manure and the application of that mm. waste of farmland because that's what local control was being taken away. Right. I think it was August, middle part of August this yeah. year. There are other things that we would, had hoped would be in a regulation, but that, that was a big deal to say you have to protect the water features in our community. Yeah. We had to follow a nutrient management technical standard, which is the DNR regulation for a family farmer who oh. owns his own barn, <laughs> They this export-only business, and yeah. people receiving manure from a Class 1 CAFO had to follow the same regulations that a farmer who had his own barns and land had to follow. Okay. All right. And it's regulation number five. Wow. So that seems a little more uh, normal. You'd think that the well, small if farm everybody the should farm. follow at least follow the same regulation, yeah. you wouldn't think that a huge group coming in, making mass amounts of this waste, would have no regulation, yeah. and a farmer would. But almost immediately, uh, they were challenged in court. The ordinance was, oh. uh, even though it said this only applies to new CAFOs, Class One CAFOs that come to the county, not ones that are existing, it's just future one. All existing CAFOs were grandfathered in. Some farmers challenged that and said they couldn't do business if that was the case, that they had to um, follow Uh this nutrient management plan. So that's in court right now, and there was a hearing last week just about some sunshine um, issues. But there will be some decisions made about whether they're challenging whether the health board has the authority to do that. And there are a number of health organizations. Uh, regulations in the state of Missouri. They've been challenged and were upheld at the Court of Appeals. So we think there's a real good basis that that regulation will be supported. Oh, right. Sounds common So we're hoping. And And, and back a little bit to local control. Yeah. Uh, One of our county representatives made a comment after this regulation was put in place, and he said, we're going to have to attend to this at the legislature this year. And he does not advocate local control, um, oh. local control like that. Again, he has voted in the past. It's uh, Dave Munsell, mm-hmm. and he was the one who spoke about this. He feels like only state regulations should be in place in states, in counties across the state, as far as agriculture yeah, is concerned. Yeah, so it would. It, he's thinking, or that thought line of thought is like, we need to have one kind of regulation, Blanket. right? either regulation or protection from regulation across the entire state of Missouri. Um, Industry may get a big break here, but who's going to pay? The local citizenry is going to pay for. And that's something else that, you know, this is a long shot. Of course, Rhett, the governor or whatever, is not going to be elected anytime soon. But implementing the true cost of production that is a real difficult thing to for people to swallow because your price of your pork chops are going to go up if they have to pay for really good you know buildings that that don't leak this these lagoons or their smaller farms or less pollutants and so but people like and and it's good for 
politicians too i think to to be able to say like you know we've got good cheap food here but you're right at what price at what price it's 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 being you're distracted from the true cost and we're not going to pay for it it's our kids 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 are going to pay for it and uh i was already seeing that happen north carolina and the other states that kind of uh got got the brunt of that so that is really great that you all are kind of trying to put this in the light and give people the ideas yeah and we all just need to pay attention we need to find out where your food comes from and what's in it yeah you know even if it like we mentioned earlier if it says antibiotic free that doesn't mean that that animal has not been fed some antibiotic um, while it was being raised it just means it has gone through the withdrawal period necessary for that particular oh. antibiotic like maybe you couldn't give tetracycline more than 28 days prior to when it's being butchered mm. that the the animal would have that withdrawal and maybe there wouldn't be that antibiotic but there could still be some antibiotic residue left oh man um we need to promote sustainable farming which is farming on a scale that the environment can support fight for local control we need to join together to protect missouri citizens now and before it's too late when this when we received the letter january 11th last year we didn't have an idea that this sort of thing was going on in our our wow. community or even in the state we, we just didn't know we're, we're farmers our, ourselves oh my goodness so we have been enlightened that's great our well, whole neighborhood has been enlightened yeah well, we thank you so much, Susan Williams and Tina Potts of opponents of Cooper County CAFO. Thank you again, and we'll, we'll see you on again maybe later in the year. The music for this podcast comes from the recording, Oh Freedom, Songs of the Civil Rights Movement by Chris Bellillo in Macomb, Illinois. Thanks, Chris. Staying in the wilderness too long. Keep your eyes on the prize. Hold on. The only thing we done was right was the day we started to fight. Keep your eyes on the prize. 